A vicious serial killing spree leaves police baffled in the small Korean town of Hwasong in the 1980s. A local detective works with a city cop from Seoul to find the culprit who has raped and murdered at least two women and is poised to kill again. As the investigation deepens, the case becomes an obsession in the 2003 Korean crime thriller Memories of Murder. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Colton Jenkins. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. Today we're tackling the beloved Korean thriller Memories of Murder, the second film from Oscar-winning filmmaker Bong Joon-ho, director of Snowpiercer, Okja, and of course, Parasite. Colton, this was your pick, so uh, what made you choose Memories of Murder? I hate to say it, but it's because I saw it on TikTok. <laughs> it, it was it was one of those like people that go on there and they're like, oh, if you want the scariest movie I've ever seen, it's this one. And as I was watching it, I, I understood where they were coming from, but definitely not. But um, but I know the director. I loved Parasite. I love Snowpiercer because it's a sequel to Willy Wonka. Everyone knows that. Um, Yeah, no. This movie was really fucking good, I think. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, you can see how this is the film that kind of put him on the map. This was, you know, everyone was like, oh, who's this guy? Uh, I first got turned on to this one when I went and saw Parasite at the Alamo Draft House, and during the pre-show, they went through Bong Joon-ho's whole career and did a whole bit on Memories of Murder. I had never heard of this film and i was like oh that looks neat that's intriguing like ooh, i love a murder mystery and at the time this film was not available to watch in the states it had not gotten an international release but thanks to the success of parasite all of bong joon ho's films pretty much got reevaluated, and memories of murder was picked up by the criterion collection it was uh the rights to stream it were bought by hulu so thankfully now globally we can watch memories of murder so that's a couple right. of years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this. That's right. Because when I was like looking, because um, I wanted to look it up after, but it kept saying like the re-release of Memories of Murder. And I was like, re-release, I don't understand. But I did not know that it's in the Criterion Collection. That's pretty, that's like a high bar, I think. Yeah. Um, Okja and Parasite are both also in the Criterion Collection. Bong Joon-ho has been touched by them a lot. Damn. Yeah. I haven't seen Okja. Okja is so bizarre. It's it's neat. It's a Netflix original, so you can watch that. You can watch it there. Uh, basically, it's like they're making genetically engineered giant super pigs to help with the food <laughs> problem. And this little girl falls in love with one of the pigs as like a friend. And the pig gets like picked up for slaughter and she goes on an adventure to save him from the slaughterhouse. Oh, it's it's odd, but it's very touching and definitely has his style. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't skip a beat. It's great. How would you, this is a weird question. How would you describe his style? Because I feel like you can always tell, but I don't know. I can't explain it. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's like a soft core Korean Tim Burton, maybe. I don't know. I would say more like a Korean David Fincher. Like, okay. Yeah. It's very distinct what he's trying to say. It's always, it's always about class struggle. There's all that. That's yeah. always like what he's talking about. Yeah. 
And I just, I feel like I'm in the hands of a filmmaker who has something to say, who doesn't skip a beat, who knows what he wants to say. And I'm going to be entertained and I'm going to think. Yeah. I've yet to be disappointed. I've seen almost all of his films now and he has not missed. <laughs> yeah. The way that he, especially in this movie, there was a couple shots that I really liked. Um, just one of the examples is like, this is gross, but when it shows the corpse of, I think the third body, and then it, it kind of it shows her for a split second and then it cuts to like meat being put on a on a on a grill like Korean barbecue or when um towards the end of the movie when uh when the guy gets hit by the train and they like zooms in on the on the blood on his hand cuz like i mean his blood is on his hands it's basically his fault that he's dead now i don't know there there's a lot of good shots in this in this film that i thought were pretty clever Oh, the zoom in at the end of uh, yeah. Park's face, like scanning the audience and like looking, you know, using his technique on us. Yeah. Like, are we guilty? Yeah. Like that, just involving us like that, breaking the fourth wall. Because at the time, was cool. you know, this, this was still an unsolved case. So it was up in the air, like whoever did this. So it was almost like he's, you know, hoping whoever did it is watching this and feels a little bit yeah. like, I hope you feel happy with yourself, you piece of shit. I got chills, honestly. I don't usually. I, I feel like that's a cheesy thing to say, but I did. I got chills at that at that part. There actually, there was a couple moments where I felt gross, and I got chills in this movie. Yeah, it's very unforgiving. It does not hold back from you know. No. This was in the '80s, so a lot of the families are still alive. I'm sure a lot of them saw this yeah. movie, and I I hope they were comfortable with it. Do you think the murderer watched it? If I know that's an, an, an probably an insensitive question, but if you were a murderer, would you watch a movie based on what you did? Well, I happen to know for a fact he did watch it, and we're going to talk about that later. Oh, damn. Okay. Uh, but personally, 100%. If I, yeah. if I committed a murder, <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm imagining it's still me, you know, huge movie buff who then commits a murder, goes to prison. Somebody makes a movie about that. I'm 100% going to go see that. I'm going to try to see it, you know, in myself, oh, yeah. and I'm going to comment and be like, no, that's not even close. I killed her like this. <laughs> If, what about you? Yes, I would. I would definitely watch it. Um, I would. Yes. I wonder if, obviously, um, like true crime movies like this, the, they can get pretty like touchy. Especially, I know it wasn't a, a, a movie, but Dahmer, or what was it called? Dahmer. They, the, or the what was it called? It had like a weird title. Like a I think it was like. Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer files or something like that. But yeah, the, the Evan <laughs> Peters Netflix miniseries. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he would have watched that and I wonder if he would have hated it the way that the families of the victims hated it. I don't I wonder about that because like to do something that heinous to kill people, to eat people, to rape people, you're you're clearly missing something. You're missing some portion of what makes a human being whole whether that be the soul or yeah. some, something in your brain, whatever it is. So, and I hate, yeah. I hate like when I, like I watched, uh, it wasn't like a, a documentary. It was a, a YouTuber who was doing, uh, basically like breaking down why he doesn't like Dahmer and more specifically why he doesn't like true crime. I'm a fan of true crime, but I feel like there's a, there's like a line you don't cross. So sometimes I don't like saying I'm a fan of true crime because I don't want to like 
I, I'm, I don't praise the the murderers at all. They're horrible people, but it's just the fact that they are subhuman is interesting to me. Like, I, I want to know why they are the way that they are. Yeah, we all do. You know, the, the yeah. fascination of true crime comes from the idea that they're so different from from regular people. Like the average the average person does not think about doing something like that. They can't even consider doing something like that. But these people do it with, you know, not a care in the world most of the time. They're methodical. A lot of them don't even care if they get caught sometimes. Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Just a, just a weird um, fun fact here. Um, one of my coworkers, she's, um, she's in her 60s, 70s. Uh, she actually worked with Jeffrey Dahmer when he was uh, in the military as a medic. Wow. Yeah. She like, so I like her. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've talked to her about him. I've like asked and she says he was complete. He seemed completely normal. He was a normal friendly guy and that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. You, you want to be able to pick these guys out of a crowd, but the whole way they they're able to do what they do is they blend in. They are just normal dudes. You know, look at the Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. He yeah. had a wife and kids, but but at, at, you know, while he was you know buying, torturing, and killing women, and you know, destroying lives, it's it's strange, and you know, you never know. Like I, I read a statistic that like the average person walks past like 30, 40 killers in their lifetime, unaware. Oh my god! Yeah, more if you live in like New York or Chicago, like a big city. That's that's insane. That really is like, oh my god! Like, are they are they good at hiding it, or is it just we're like we want to be naive and not see it? You know. Well, I'm sure there's that. There's you know, if you if you are friends with the guy, or you know, you're married to the guy, you don't want to think you know maybe they're the killer. You can't let that get into your that's, head. Or you, yeah, that's fair. But I think the average person just you know, doesn't pay attention. Yeah. And the killers to, to do what they do. A lot of them, you know, there's the psychotics who just like shoot up a school, but then there's the methodical people who have a process. And part of that process is blending in and hiding and keeping it on the down low. So nobody can be aware of what you're doing. So you can kill more. And that's what Dahmer did. Dahmer got caught because one of his guys got away. Yeah. Which which one of those scares you more? The psycho, crazy, just like apeshit murderer or like the methodical plan? Oh, absolutely. The methodical plan. Yeah. Anybody who can, if I find out somebody I've known for like 20 years has <laughs> yeah. butchered like 30 people, I'm going to question everything I know about my life. Yeah. Because I am clearly a horrible judge of character. Yeah. And that's got to fuck with people. I mean, especially their significant others or like their kids. Can you imagine being like, you know, Ted Bundy's daughter? Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Like, what the fuck? I, it's, it's terrifying to me. I mean, yeah, it's it's weird. I wonder why like that scares people more, because like in, in video games, just for an example, in Resident Evil 7, one of the main protagonists, Jack, he doesn't run after you. He walks slowly. And that is so fucking scary that if he ran, it wouldn't be as scary. But the fact that he walks with like confidence, that's terrifying because he's he's planning everything out. 
Yeah, it's the you know, it's the plotting. It's they know they don't have to yeah you know, make themselves known. They know they're gonna get away with it. It's it's, like, it's it's a confidence thing. It's you know, I'm smarter than you, and we all know it. That's that kind of thing. Yeah, like what do they know that I don't know? Yeah, like look at the Zodiac killer. They never caught him. He, you know, he committed murders all over San Francisco for years. He taunted the cops. They never got the guy. He just stopped one day. I thought there was something recently where they like they they said they found him. Yeah, they they an article like that pops up every few years where they're like, you know, my father was a Zodiac oh. killer or I cracked the code or something like oh. that. I don't think we'll ever okay. really definitively know what happened there. Oh, I think the guy who did it is the guy they were going to arrest until he had a heart attack and died and then the killing stopped. But yeah, that's for another time. <laughs> but this case that Memories of Murder was based on was like a lot of people call it like the Korean Zodiac killer because it's very similar in how it unfolded, except eventually they really they did catch this guy. Does it um does it get into like the peach and the spoon and everything? Or is he just doing that because he was just a sadistic asshole? I don't know if the peach I, I didn't look into it that much. I don't know if the peach really was part of the true story because Bong Joon-ho uses peaches a lot in his own movie, so I think that oh. might have just been an artistic flair. Uh, yeah, I think I remember some of the peaches in Parasite. Yeah, and like the the, 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 the uh, maid lady was allergic to peaches, so they like yeah, that's to right. fuck, her, fuck her up. That's right. Was there wasn't weren't the rich people in Snowpiercer eating peaches too? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's peaches like innocence. I don't know. I don't know. Something like that. It's like, I don't know, maybe in Korea, like peaches are a rich food. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, that was cool. Yeah, good, good conversation. Uh, so I have a question for you. Um, so this film, because of the way the case unfolded, we don't really get resolution. At the end, we are just kind of left with our own thoughts and our own decision on who did this. And I was just curious, did you feel at all cheated by that? Like, do you do you prefer to have a definitive answer for what happened, why it happened, and who did it in a film like this? Mm, I think because I knew that it was a, a true story, I kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, but if this was like, like if knives out ended the same way, I would have been pissed. I would have been so fucking pissed. But I think the way that he made this movie, I feel like, especially with the way that the characters were like, every single time that they questioned someone, they admitted to it. Every single one of them confessed because they always got the shit kicked out of them. So I feel like if he had said, yes, I did it, and he would have gotten arrested, I would have had more questions like, okay, did he actually do it? But now that he got away, I don't, I don't know. Um, I didn't feel cheated, but I definitely wanted more. So when the movie was over, I definitely whipped out my phone. Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to know anything because I wanted you to tell me, because I knew you, you, you do heavy research. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What about you? Well, I didn't know this was a true story before I watched it. I thought it was just a, a crime drama. But then when I looked up, when I did the research, I'm like, oh, shit, this happened. <laughs> so then it was like, OK, so that's why we don't get an answer, because there was no answer in 2003. 
Uh, and that's okay. You know, Zodiac ended the same way where like, you don't get a definitive answer. He def- Fincher definitely points you in the dire- in a certain direction, mm-hmm. but he lets you kind of make your own decision about what happened. And um, I just watched actually uh, a film called From Hell, which was a uh, kind of biopic of Jack the Ripper. Ooh. And it's um, based on a graphic novel where liberties are taken, you know, like a, there's a psychic after like a psychic police um, inspector who's getting flashes of the Ripper murders and all that. And then it tells you who who Jack was. He was like a surgeon who worked, who was a Freemason who was trying to obliterate all the evidence of like the true heir to the throne of England. It was pretty crazy. Oh, okay. (laughs) It was a neat idea, but like, that's a true story. Like Jack the Ripper was a real person. He murdered five women. He destroyed lives. Like, should we be making fanfic about him? Yeah, no, that's that's fucking weird. See, that that is the line I don't think should be crossed with true crime. Like, especially like when it came out, people were saying how like hot uh like Evan Peters was in Dahmer. Don't yeah. do that. Or people like um what's that uh show about Ted Bundy? Uh I don't know, but the fact that like people like idolized him, that's gross. Or like on TikTok people like idolize school shooters or murderers it's fucking gross don't do that don't do that but do you think movies like this like movies you know made about these killers don't don't you think like do they add to that like do they make it more accessible to see these guys as more pop culture icons than actual monsters it's a deep question man (laughs) every time i watch a film that's like based on true crime i always think like am i adding to the problem here by watching this and talking about it like should yeah, we, like, is it wrong to make films like this? I don't know. I, um, I don't know. Have you seen? Um, I don't. He's he's not a real murderer, but have you seen the house that Jack built? I have not. I've heard of it though. So it's it's about it's about a murderer. He is the main character of the movie, but never at one point do you ever side with him or enjoy the process of watch. He's the protagonist, but at no point. Are you like, oh man, you're gonna get caught? Get out of there! Yeah, but I feel like movies tend to do that. Like, okay, I guess okay. So there's a there's a scene in that movie in the house that Jack built, where um, basically the premise is he has extreme OCD, so he kills someone in her house and then he cleans up and hides the body. He hears police coming, but then he starts panicking. What if he like left a drop of blood? So he goes back into the house and he's like taking time. So the scene is building tension. And because of that tension, you're like, oh, fuck, like you got to get out of there. But then if you think about it, like, no, you need to stay. Take your time, bro. Get caught because that's what you deserve. So I don't know if, if movies are made. Well, I don't know. It's hard. I think it's it's a different situation when it's a fictional killer, you know? Yeah, I mean, then it's just entertainment. I mean, look at like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, yeah. like Leatherface. Those guys are, you know, committing just as much carnage as these guys. But you know, we have toys of them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I think if a movie is based off of a based off of a murderer, I think maybe you can get away with it. But if it's like specifically about like a legit murder, like Dahmer. Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's adding to the problem. But if you want to watch it, watch it. 
No, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think there's there's ways to do it properly where, you know, like look at Memories of Murder. This is a film very much about the investigation and about yeah. the victims. It's not about the killer. You know, he's not glamorized. They don't make up some guy be like, it was him and he's going to be our bad guy now. Like, that's not what happens. Yeah. You know, Zodiac's the same way where it's about the investigation and the victims and more about just what the the, the vibe of San Francisco that the Zodiac killer created. Yeah. And even a film like uh, recently, uh, No Man of God, which was a uh, biopic of Ted Bundy and the uh, FBI agent who didn't befriend him, but like would talk to him about uh, the crimes. That movie doesn't treat uh, Bundy as this like, you know, charming, affable, you know, hero. He's a sick, sadistic fuck who's in prison for horrific crimes. And the film never lets you forget that. And that's the big thing. You've got to be constantly reminded that these people are monsters. What they did was real and people yeah. were hurt. If you do that consistently and you don't have like, you know, psychic Jack the Ripper, you know, yeah, a- avenging the crown, then you have exactly something worth worth talking about, I think. Yeah. I, and I also feel like I know I keep I keep bringing up Dahmer, but it's like the closest thing, especially like lately. It's I don't know it's probably lost relevance at this point but i feel like if they had cut out everything about his past and try like they said they didn't want you to sympathize with him but every single shot or scene of him in in like a flashback scene it's hard not to like be like oh look at him like his mom sucked but i feel like you, you can't do that when someone is as evil as he was yeah, I know plenty of people who come from broken homes who had horrific, you know, abuse as a child as children. They're not serial killers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I don't know if they're doing their spare time, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> did I did I answer your question? I don't know. I feel like I yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we got a good we got a good conversation out of that. It's always tricky with true crime films because you also you don't want to look like you're glorifying murder, but you also I find them very fascinating and entertaining exactly. most of the time. So like I did, you know, yes. when it comes to making a movie about history, biopic, whether it be about a musician, a killer, a king, something like that, I think that people have a obligation to stick to the facts and yeah, they yeah. rarely fucking do. Yeah. That's why I like, uh, there's a true crime, true crime podcast I listen to called the last podcast on the left. It's yeah. my favorite podcast of all time. Um, but they, when they do like a true crime episode, man, they don't hold their punches. They will walk all over their murderers. Like they don't, they're not nice and they're funny, but they, they definitely shine light on what, how horrible they are. So I feel like they do it right. That is true crime done correctly. Yeah. It's exactly how I feel about uh time suck with Dan Cummins. Yeah. Whenever he talks about a serial killer, he not only like does not glorify their crime, he consistently and constantly refer like calls them shitheads or yeah. morons or assholes or just takes the power away, makes them not scary, turns them into little, you know, little people who try to dream big and fucking hurt people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Got to do that. This is a question. So I don't know how you feel about this. this is probably a weird question, but there's like this, you know, people are starting to realize like, if there's a school shooter or like a serial murderer, don't say their name 
But we always fucking give them cool names. Why do we give them such cool fucking names? Well, blame the press on that because yeah. it's repeatable. It gives them ratings and they can talk about it for days on end. That's why. It's disgusting. And it does give them power and it makes people want to emulate them straight up. If you just yeah. didn't name them or gave them something like, you know, something stupid, like, you know, dipshit McGee or something like that. No one's exactly. going to, no one's going to emulate. Dipshit yes. Look, if, if, if you, I would rather, the worst thing you can do is give them a cool fucking name. And then you also don't need to say their name. The best thing you can do is, yeah, call them dipshit McGee or name them after villains and codename kids next door. I don't know. Do something. Or just say, you know, there was a shooting. The killer was apprehended. That is all. You don't have to paste their picture. You don't have to look into their backstory. Why did they do this? Because they're fucking crazy and they're assholes. That is why. Yeah. Because only a crazy asshole would do that. Yeah, man. Regardless of religion, gender, race, if you're going to do something like that, fuck you a million times. I don't don't care where you came from. This was your decision. You chose to hurt people and you can burn in hell. Yeah, I don't. Especially like within the past couple of days. I don't want to get into politics because I'll go on a fucking rant. But with the the Tennessee, Tennessee, right? Yeah, Tennessee shooting. I swear to God, dude, every almost every comment I read was like, whoa, if they weren't trans, they wouldn't have done. I'm like, are you fucking stupid? That has nothing to I don't know. I don't want to get into it. I know it is. It is so hard to not start talking about that. It's I know. Yeah, this isn't the place, but suffice to say. I have a feeling this is going to cause a lot more grief in the wrong direction than it should. And I just, I hope we can weather the storm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is turning into quite a, uh, quite an interesting episode. I was not expecting this to go in all these different directions. Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) So let's talk a bit about where this came from. How did memories of murder come about the film was based on the stage play come to see me by kim kwong rim which in turn was based on the real real life unsolved watch song serial murders that occurred in a small korean province between 1986 and 1991 so they turned to state they turned this into a stage play so the play was very popular bong joon ho got the rights to the play turned it into a movie i did not know this was a play that's weird i know i wonder how you do this as a play how do you do a true crime play yeah, that's that's weird, man. Yeah, I'm, I'd be curious. I'd love to see it. I don't think it's still in production, but I'd love to see it. I uh, are, you, are you a fan of plays? Oh yeah, I, I've I've been to Broadway a couple times. I I do like live theater. I don't really get an opportunity to go that much, but when I do, I enjoy it. Yeah, I think the the weirdest play I've ever heard of. I think Daniel Radcliffe was part of it. What was it called? Uh, this was like. I think right before Deathly Hollows came out. What was it called? You're talking about Equus? Equus, yeah. The dude who like he like falls in love with a horse, right? Yeah, and he's like naked the whole time. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, That's weird. I mean, he wanted to escape the Potter's shadow, and that is one way to do it. Yeah, that is definitely one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they just uh revived Sweeney Todd on Broadway with uh, Josh Groban oh my as God, Todd. Would love to see that. Oh, that's fucking wonderful. The coolest play I ever I've ever seen was um right before I left home, like 
like four days before I moved out of my parents' house. Um, I was living in New York City at the time with my parents, and my dad scored these fucking awesome tickets to go see Sweeney Todd. Ah. It was in a... uh, It used to be a pie shop that had shut down. So they reopened the pie shop, right? And they gave you uh, meat pie with potatoes um, and ale. And the guy that was cooking the food was the ex-chef for the White House. So the food was incredible. And it was a tiny, tiny, tiny pie shop, dude. Like, no bigger than, like, your average person's, like, living room. It was tiny. But they were, like, dancing on the tables, like, right in front of you. It was, like, dark. They had candles and everything. It was awesome. That is so cool. That's such a neat experience. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to eat a meat pie while I'm watching Sweeney Todd. <laughs> yeah, no, I think if I, I think, I think you ate first, and then they, and then the show started. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think mine. Well, I think yeah. When I was in, um, I went to Germany last year, last fall with my family. Mm. We did a stopover in London, and uh, I was able to see Back to the Future the musical. Yeah, West End, and that was an experience. Back to the Future is my favorite movie, and I'd given up hope that I was going to be able to do that. And I got a ticket. I, I went by myself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, you, you yeah, know the details I, I know the whole that, story of that trip. I'll I won't share those, but um, that I went into the theater, and the lobby is decked out in Hill Valley signage. There's like Lou's Cafe sign and like Statler Toyota and all sorts of shit. And I went and sat in my seat and it was amazing. It was a like incredibly detailed, you know, reinterpretation of back to the future. Alan Silvestri did the music for it. Oh, so it was cool. so cool. They had the DeLorean literally fly into the audience. I'm still trying to figure out how the hell they did that. Wait, what? Yeah. They put like a full fucking DeLorean on like wires and like flew it into the, like above the crowd. <laughs> Imagine if that failed, dude. I hope it's cardboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think a full car falling on a crowd. No, yeah, I know. Gonna, yeah. But uh, it, made, it really fun, revitalized what was starting to be kind of a bad luck trip for me. And mm-hmm. Barry just gave me a great memory that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. I bought a t-shirt. I think about it all the time. It was so delightful. Just made for Back to the Future fans. They're bringing it to Broadway uh, soon. Oh, hell yeah. Which, uh, which movie was it? Just the first movie. Just the first movie. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Was it a musical? It was, yeah. It was, it was a musical. They had like (laughs) the songs are really catchy. They ended with the the power of love and back in time by Huey Lewis, Johnny Be Good. All that was there. Earth Angel, Mr. Sandman, like all the songs from the movie, and then new stuff. It was, it was really good. That's really cool. Yeah, I love live theater. It's it's so fun. Um, yeah. So this was a this was a play. Um, let's look at the real details of the case. Yeah. So. The film is actually pretty damn thorough. Uh, a lot of the details featured in the film came from the actual case, such as like the killer, you know, gagging the victims with their underwear like that. That all happened. Just mm. Jesus Christ. Um, this was the first documented serial killing case in Korea's history. This okay. was their first serial killer in 1986. We were on our like 20th. Yeah. The 80s. Dude. <laughs> We had like wasn't the seven. I could be very wrong, but the seventies was like 
again, I don't want to glorify it, but that was like the golden era for serial killers. It's fucked up, but yeah, I mean, you know, thanks to, you know, LSD and a lot of cults and yeah. Vietnam, you had a lot of people growing up with hatred and evil mm-hmm. and darkness in their head, and it just crept in and stayed there. Yep. It's fucking weird, but yeah, that's the case. Uh, so during a five-year period in Korea, at least 10 women were found raped and murdered. The police found plenty of DNA evidence on the victims, but they didn't have access to testing. They couldn't do anything with it for years. They had plenty of DNA, but nothing. Like yeah. No way to, yeah, they sent some of it to Japan where they got an inconclusive test, like as it's seen in the movie. In the movie, it was America. In real life, it was Japan. Hmm. Um, yeah, this was the 80s. It's hard to believe, you know, such a police force could be backward like at that time. Yeah, I really um that's something I really liked about this movie because you really felt like they were at their wits end towards the end of the movie. They had they had no idea what to do because they literally just had to use their their brains and like try to piece together basically non-existent clues. Yeah, Park's whole thing was like I can tell if somebody's guilty just by looking at him. Like that's his whole investigative process. Do you do you think he can legitimately? No, no? not okay. at all. I think okay. he's completely yeah. full of shit, and he's okay. been arresting anybody. I mean, you know, as we see in the movie, like they constantly coerce, like they, you know, they coerce their their uh, su- suspects. They beat the shit out of them yep. until they t- they confess, and then they say, "Oh, we got him!" Like every yep. time, like that's not procedure. So no, I don't oh. think he can tell. <laughs> Man, when he like planted that the evidence, like when he put the footprint in the dirt and took a picture of it because the fucking tractor ran over it. I was like, fucking sleazy bastard. And then later on when the guy gets hit by the train and it like focuses in on the shoe that's full, yeah. like flown off of him. I was just like, Shit. Yeah, man. Talk about, you know, be careful what you wish for. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the time of the film's release, the killer had not been caught. So this was like the biggest mystery in South Korea's history of crime. And this was weird. Also, up until 2015... South Korea had a statute of limitations on murder. <laughs> twenty-five years. If you could get, if you could evade capture for twenty-five years, you could, you weren't liable to be arrested for murder. What the fuck? No. They repealed it in twenty fifteen, but at the time they were like, "We got a ticking clock to catch this guy." And this is the case. They like they rep- they appeal. They're like, "Hey, can we have more time? This is a heinous murder case. We don't want to see this guy get away." And they're like, "Okay." And then they're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't let anybody get away <laughs> and repeal it. I can't believe that that was even a thing. That's that's fucking ridiculous, dude. Oh, yeah. Some countries still have it. Like certain I know um, there's a lot of South American countries where the maximum time you can spend in prison for any crime is like 10 years. After that, like they have to let you go regardless of what you did. What? There's a lot of serial killers who went free in South America and disappeared. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like our prison prison system at all. But but ten years—that's it. I know it's yeah. The crime should should matter. The details should matter. Yeah, punishment should fit the crime. You know, ten years for dealing coke versus ten years for slaughtering eight people. I mean, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, twisted. So in 2019, police were finally able to use DNA testing to identify the killer as Lee Chun Jai, who was already serving a life sentence for the rape and murder of his sister-in-law. Oh my this god! Guy, 
This guy was pure fucking evil. And immediately confessed. Well, he didn't immediately confess. First, he was like, it was not me. And then they pressured him again. And he's like, okay. Like, didn't take much. He was already serving a life sentence. What more could they do to him? I just looked him up. And holy shit. It's creepy how much he looks like soft hands. He looks just like him. That's scary. Yeah. Makes me think, like, were they already looking at this guy at the time? I think they had to have been. There's a picture of him recently, like now. Yeah, he's still alive. You can't see. That's a shit. I, I can see. I see a little bit. He does look. Yeah, those look like the eyes of somebody who's committed murder. Oof. Sometimes you can just tell looking into somebody's eyes that they've done some dark shit. Oh yeah, can, can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes if you're not like you know a shitty cop, yeah. Sometimes you can tell. Yeah. 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 Um, so additionally, he confessed to killing 14 people, including, oh, the, the, including the 10 people from Hwasong. He also confessed to 30 additional rapes that the police knew nothing about. He was oh just spilling his resume to them. So do you think like murderers like this, do you think that they want to be caught that that's like part of their thing? Some of them have, I, I've listened to a lot of serial killer podcasts. I've heard a lot of these guys' life stories. So I, I'd like to think I, I can, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I feel like I can try to say a bit about this. Some of them, it's about the thrill of the hunt. Some of them, it's about the process. Others want to be famous. They want to be infamous. They want to be remembered. And some of these guys, you know, will confess. To, there, there was this guy, um, his name was Henry Lee Lucas. He got he and his partner Otis Tool got dubbed the Confession Killers because they confessed to everything and anything that was pinned on them because they wanted to be famous. They did commit murders, but they didn't commit the like hundreds that they claimed they did. Oh my god! They just wanted to be famous, and they were like, "Yep, I did it. I did that too." Yep, that's me. Yep. They made a movie about that about them too, which I've yet to see because I've heard it's insanely disturbing. Uh, 1986, I believe, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I've heard that movie is hard to watch. Isn't that? No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> what's that movie? 1912, where the guy kills his wife to keep his farm. 1922. That was good. Yeah. Like that was that. creepy. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's all, you know, it's hard to group these guys because everybody, you know, we're all snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> we're all individuals. We all have our own hopes and dreams. Some people want to be president. Some people want to be teachers. Some people want to be known as the guy who killed the most people. I don't want to fucking be president. That sounds like the worst job in the world, man. Oh, my God. When I was a kid, that was my dream. I wanted to be president because I thought the office of the president was the most respectable title you could hold in the world. That every president was a leader, was a genius, was a good person. And holy shit, did I find did I get that disproved in the worst way possible? Yeah, you were wrong. I was very wrong. And then I started looking at history and I was like, oh, I was wrong every single yeah. time. We've had maybe three good people in that yeah, office. There's this comedian. I don't remember who it is, but he, he told a pretty funny joke where he says basically the same thing. He said he wanted to be president when he was younger, but then he realized that it wouldn't be fun because the way you wake up in the morning is someone whispering, hey, wake up. We got problems. 
Like, I don't want to fucking do that. That seems like the most stressful job ever. I saw another comic who said he didn't want to be president because basically, like, best case scenario, half the country hates your guts and wants you dead. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're doing a good job, there's a whole group of people who despise you just because you don't belong to their group. Yep. And I don't know if I could live with that constant threat of, you know, crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I no. could do that. I didn't know this, but I don't know why I didn't know this. You know, you, you think it's common knowledge, but their security team stays with them. Like the security team that's with them when they're elected president is their security team for the rest of their life. Yeah. Once you're president, you're president. You know, yeah. that title stays with you forever. There's always going to be people who want to take a shot at you. But that's yeah. crazy that like you you can have a job that is, I don't know, like you train to be a security guard for a president for life. Yeah. Well, also like, what if you, I'm sure you respect the office. What if you don't like the guy as a human being? You still going to take a yeah. bullet for them? Because I guarantee you, like there's people been training right now to be the security guard of the next president. And what if it's fucking, I mean, it won't be, but what if it's fucking Trump again, dude? Fuck that. <laughs> no, no, he just got indicted in New York. Thank God. Oh, he did. He legitimately got, he did. He got Today. Indicted. Yeah. He got indicted by a grand jury. He's going to be, yeah. On, on the stormy Daniels hush money shit. Oh shit. So yeah. Be, be careful. You know who you pay off when you're banging a porn star while your wife is pregnant at home. We oh don't need, you know, most of us don't need that advice, but yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, but then, you know, most of us aren't fucking multimillionaires. So yeah, neither is he. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just glad I got some good news today. Yeah, that's, that's good news. I like that. Um, so Lee, uh, the psycho, he watched the film while he was in prison. Mm. And, uh, he, this is what he said. I just watched it as a movie. I had no feeling or emotion towards the movie, which tells me it pissed him off. <laughs> when you tell somebody, like, I had no thoughts about it one way or the other, you are trying not to say, fuck you. He watched it while he was in prison? Yeah, because this came out in 2003, and he was incarcerated for killing his sister-in-law, so he was in oh, prison okay. already before they identified him, and he happened to catch this on cable or something, and was like, huh, that I, I did that. That's fucking wild to be like, you're already in prison. What's this movie about? It's about what? Murderers where? Oh, interesting. I'll watch it. And that wouldn't be sitting... between 86 and 91, would it? <laughs> yeah. And then you're sitting, you're watching the movie in prison with other inmates and you're like, holy shit. Like, do you think he knew? Or do you think he was watching? And he was like, wait a minute. This is very familiar. I hope it was just on in the background during like movie night for the prisoners. And he was like reading in the background. He just caught little bits and he's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it was like sad letter. Rainy. Wait a minute. What are they watching? Yeah. Holy shit. He's, he's like poking the guy next to him. Like that was, that was me. <laughs> yeah. He said, he's like, Hey, uh, don't tell any of the guards, but you're not going to believe this. <laughs> but this movie's about me, dude. <laughs> That's so fucked up. But yeah, I, I imagine it was a lot like that. I mean, you know, he's just like, I wonder if he had like a huh, good times kind of reaction to it. Like, I remember her while wow, she put up a fight. Yeah. Oh, God, dude. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Nah, I remember that storm ditch. My oh, God. God. Dude. Yeah. Well, we can all take comfort that this dude's going to die in prison. Yes. Absolutely. Ugh. 
Memories of Murder has an IMDb score of 8.1, Rotten Tomatoes score of 95%. Critics' consensus reads, Memories of Murder blends the familiar crime genre with social satire and comedy, capturing the all-too-human desperation of its key characters. And I agree. Yeah, Bong Joon-ho is really good at taking like very shocking shit and making you laugh because it's so crazy that you just got to you have like a react a visceral reaction of like god damn and you're just chuckling. Yeah, there He's, are a lot of really funny moments in this movie. I was surprised. Yeah, it's weird to laugh at such heinous shit, but you know that's how I felt about Parasite and Snowpiercer and Okja. He's good at doing that to you. Man, Parasite, I've never seen a movie like that. It literally starts as a comedy and then halfway through it switches to a horror movie like that. And it's it's pretty freaky. Like this scene where the dude is like coming up the stairs, that scene still haunts me to this day. Yeah, I've never seen a movie that like starts as a social satire and ends as a goddamn slasher film. Yeah. Wow. That, Parasite is is an instant classic. It's one of those films I can't stop talking about. Since I saw it in 2019, it always comes up at least once a week. It's just perfect. Oh, such a great movie. So the film didn't do that hot financially. It only grossed a little under $2 million on a budget of $2.8 million. So it didn't really make its money back, but it was pretty quickly embraced as a classic. Uh, yeah. Memories of Murder was voted the best Korean film of the century, which mm. is funny because we're only 23 years into that century, but hey. <laughs> I mean, I have not seen a single Korean movie or TV show that I did not like. Not only that I didn't like, every single one I've watched, I'm like, holy shit, that was fucking fantastic. They get, I don't know why, they nail horror, they nail zombies, and Parasite made me laugh and freaked me out. They are so good at making movies. I don't know why. Well, Hollywood's so goddamn formulaic, you know, it's just, I feel like there's no surprises anymore, so you gotta go outside of Hollywood to find those surprises. And other cultures just, they can do more. They trust their audiences more and they treat us like grownups. You know, they show horrific shit. If you can handle it, if you can't handle it, don't watch the movie. I don't like being, I don't like having my hand held when I'm watching a film. Yeah. I never feel like that when I'm exploring, especially Korean and Japanese film. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely I, I see that. Um, it's effectively the it's this is the film that put Bong Joon Ho on the international map. So you can thank this film pretty much for Parasite. <laughs> Such a great movie. So let's give this film some awards. Uh, Sweet. We have the Quentin Tarantino Award for the best line of the film. We have the Thomas Newman Award for the best music moment of the film. The Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance, and the John Carpenter Award for the best scene. So. Why don't you start us out with uh, your Tarantino, the best line? Uh, the best line to me, I think, was the last line of the film because it sent shivers up my spine. It's it's so good. It's um, it's uh, in 2003, at the very end of the movie, the main character goes to where the first body was found in that storm ditch. And he's like looking in it and a, a little girl walks past and she's like, what are you doing? And um, he explains like, oh, I'm just I'm just here looking for something. And she says basically that a couple of days ago, there was a guy there that did the same thing. And the line is um, the main character says, did you see his face? What did he look like? 
And she said, well, kind of plain. And he said, in what way? And she says, just ordinary. And that, I don't know why that was so scary to me. That's so scary, dude, because just plain and ordinary, that literally means it can be anybody. And that was so scary. But best line in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It's a great moment. It's a great haunting moment of like, it's almost like there was never a chance they were going to catch him. Yeah. Like he he knew what he was doing from day one. He probably didn't even, he wasn't even on your radar, yeah. which is terrifying. Uh, reminded me of this movie, uh, The Vanishing from the 80s, which mm. I, I still haven't watched. I've always wanted to see, but I know quite a great deal about it. The villain of that movie is your average, ordinary, regular English guy who yeah. just tries to see if he can do something horrifying and it turns out he can like that's the whole point he's like i wonder if i could horribly murder somebody in a violent way and then he does and he's like oh apparently i can and that doesn't bother me in the slightest it's like he buries people alive he's just like i wonder if i can do this yeah and just he does it once and he's like oh yeah turns out that was quite easy and he's just an average guy like you know probably talk to him once and not think anything of it does he get caught i don't know i haven't seen the movie yet oh, okay okay <laughs> i just know that's what he does i have the movie i could watch it right now but i don't know what's holding me back well you are recording a podcast right now so... yeah i'm gonna go take a two-hour break watch the vanishing <laughs> yeah. and i'll get back to you you just stay right there <laughs> oh but yeah i the idea of just you know the bad guy being not you know darth vader swinging a lightsaber but just yeah. Your average dude standing in a crowd blending in. Terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I went with a, a funny line. Um, I don't know if this was just mistranslation of the subtitles because I watched this on Hulu for you know Korean language, English subtitles. I will not watch a dubbed film. Yeah, no, fuck, I hate it. It's so cringy. Yeah, it takes the, 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 the whole, it takes you out of it. I watched Train to Busan not too long ago for the first time and I started watching it on Prime and it was the English dub. And I realized that when the character went, what's going on over here in perfect <laughs> English? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah, no. Who no. does that? Why would you want to completely fuck up a film like that? I don't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, our Detective Park, it's when they're looking for the first. They're going over the crime scene of, I think, the first or second victim. And <laughs> somebody says to the. Uh, the detective, uh, you're dumping shit on cooked rice here. Yeah. <laughs> that, is that, such, so good. that is such a great way to say you're fucking this up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that, was good, uh, that was a good line. Yeah. I love I'm going to start using that. Just like <laughs> when I'm, you know, have, somebody's giving me a hard time and be like, hey, why are you dumping shit on my rice? What are you doing? Yeah. That was that was funny, and then kind of darkly funny. I thought another uh, fun in line was when he was like, when the guy's like jerking off at the murder site, and when he gets caught, he's like, "What jerking off is a crime?" <laughs> they're like, um, "No, but when you're there, it's suspicious." Yeah, I love that guy's justification of like, "Well, somebody was coming at me in the dark, and I ran." <laughs> yeah, and it turns out he's just this weirdo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, so the Thomas Newman Award, the best music moment. What do you got? Easily the best music moment in this movie is when they're at, I think they're at uh, their apartment or their office. 
and the blinds are closed. It's nighttime. And then all, oh, no, no, they're fighting. That's right. They're fighting in their office. And the girl is like, everybody shut the fuck up. And then she turns up the radio and it's his, the murderer's song, like the song that plays when he kills someone. Man, that was so eerie. And then they, he, the detective, he's like, oh shit. And he opens the window and he sticks his hand out and it's like raining. Oh, that was so good. So good. Very tense. Uh, yeah, I love those scenes. That that song almost becomes like, you know, the, the fucking shark from shark theme from Jaws. It's like, oh, yeah. shit, something bad's going to happen when you start hearing that song. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with, um, I think it was victim number three or four. It's when this lady is walking through the field, oh. singing to herself. Yeah. And all of a sudden she hears whistling behind her. Oh, God. And God, she's so- she doesn't see anybody but you see a head come out of the field in the background and then just yeah you didn't see that i didn't see the head no in the background like she's standing around and you just see a guy come like like look up and then just go back down it was so fucking eerie (laughs) no i didn't see that holy shit oh that that's that's terrifying oh my god yeah i was like shit so then, you know, he's the guy, he's the killer, he gets her, but that with like her singing and then somebody whistling the same song and then her realizing she's not alone, that 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 gave me goosebumps. Oh god. Uh, I, you it's gross. <laughs> it's yeah, the music in this film is really good. Um yeah. I almost went with uh I think I tried to Shazam that pop song and it came up in Korean and I was like, Oh, I can't use that. <laughs> Wanted to, yeah. Um, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, the best performance. Who wins the movie? Easily, I don't want to say his name wrong. Say Tae Yoon, the detective from Seoul. He was so good. His descent into like, he gets there and is like, hey, no, we're going to do this by the book. Don't fucking like torture people. That's wrong. And then his descent into like, like I just said, like madness. He He's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm at my wit's end. I know it's fucking you. And then when he's like reading the paper at the end, he's like, this, this, this is a lie. I don't know. I don't, I don't need it. Yeah. I, I went with the same guy. Yeah. I love his evolution from, you know, we're going to do, I run a tight ship here. We're going to do this right. To literally trying to shoot a suspect as he's fleeing. And I love that the guy who's like the corrupt cop is the guy who stops him and is like, don't do it. It's not him. Yeah. their, their, their complete switcheroo is so yep. fascinating in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was great. They were both great. Uh, Kang Ho Song is like a mainstay of Bong Joon-ho's films. He's in almost all of them. I think yeah, all of them. He is. Yeah. I almost went with him, but this guy was like just a little bit, little bit better. A little bit better. I was I went with him until he read the report and he was like, I don't, I don't need this. I'm done. I was like, all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you, man. I don't know why. I mean, I I, I kind of I viewed him as the main character, not not uh, Inspector Park. Um, I know that Inspector Park was the main character, but I, I like my main character to be likable. <laughs> and when he's like beating the shit out of people, being like, "No, no, now now say what you did," like yeah. planting evidence, coercing people, being like, you know, look at the photo, say it's him, like. Yeah, hard to hard to get on board with that. <laughs> I just realized I didn't. I didn't. <sighs> mm, okay, 
No, never mind. Never mind. Oh, now I'm curious. Well, I, I was going to say one of my favorite parts in the movie. It's not my best scene in the movie, but one of my favorite parts in the movie is when uh, he's interrogating the first guy and his partner is coming down. He's like, oh, my partner's going to come down. And he's very sweet. He doesn't really like to beat anyone up. And then he comes in and he just fucking kicks him in the chest. <laughs> I love that guy's first response is kick. Like He just kicks everybody. Yep. <laughs> and whatever, what happens, he gets... Like yeah. tetanus in his leg and has to get his leg. I, I found yeah. that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, so the John Carpenter Award, the best scene of the movie. What's the best scene? It's what I texted you about while I was watching the movie. It's when he's talking to, I, I don't remember his name, but the kid who has the webbed fingers and the, I think the burns on Oliver's body. Yeah. Um, when they're questioning him, like, hey, we know that you know did you see the murderer? And he's like, yes, I did. And then he shows him the picture. And as soon as he shows him the picture, he's like, he like has like PTSD. He's like, Oh my God, the fire was so hot. That guy, that man put me in a fire. So if that guy wasn't the murderer, he definitely is linked to that guy's past. I, in, in, in my head canon that he is the one who set that boy on fire for sure. Yeah. I mean, if I, you know, if I, knew a guy was capable of you know throwing a person into fire i would certainly think he's capable of rape and murder yeah yeah uh my scene is when uh bike kwang ho the uh slow kid uh gets hit by a train oh yeah due to the yeah. consequences of somebody else's actions trying to get yeah. him to be a competitive you know uh cooperative witness and they're just screaming at him say it's him say it's yeah. him and then everyone else shows up and they're like what are you doing and he freaks out runs and gets hit by a fucking train yeah out of Honestly, nowhere the whole third act of this movie is a masterpiece i think honestly it's crazy it's just it's everything that's happened in the film finally catching up with them it's their terrible investigation their horrible police tactics biting them in the ass yep and everybody loses there is no victory for anybody in this movie it's a very no. bleak ending oh. but yeah it's you know and then there's two scenes almost where people get hit by oh, the other guy almost gets hit by a train too yeah i thought he was going to um honestly one one person one suspect getting hit by a train due to police incompetence. Tragic. Two people? Kind of funny. Conspiracy theory right there. Yeah. Well, the third guy ends that? up found on dead on the train tracks. All right. I'm starting to wonder if they <laughs> cops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got pretty upset. I thought that when uh, when he shot at him at the end, I thought he killed him. And I almost got upset. I was like, please don't fucking end it like that, man. I know when he fought, when he moved and like got up and just like looked back and then just kept walking. That's when I'm like, no, nah, he's the fucking killer. That, it's, that's cold. Like, that's that's why I think this ending with your first question, this ending didn't bother me at all because I feel like if he had died or if he gotten would have gotten caught, although that's the ending that we want, I feel like it would have been a weak ending. But the fact that he gets up and walks away, damn, that's a good movie, man. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the, the lack of uh, of finalization here 
works because that's yeah. sometimes life doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out. Sometimes we don't get answers and yeah, that's not okay, but it doesn't make everything else. You know, it doesn't make the journey shit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it would have been disingenuous because, you know, there was no, at the time, there was no yeah. killer yet caught. I mean, it might, it might have been him. I don't know. I don't know if that's what the movie, like, I mean, it looks just fucking like him. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, you know, because they didn't investigate properly. They just kicked the shit out of people until they said they were the no. killer. That was their whole process. They hung that dude upside down. That's definitely, like, illegal i kind of love the captain who was just like god damn it why are you still stop stop it like he didn't do anything about it he just kept telling them stop kicking the shit out of me another thing i liked about this movie was the um in like the background was like the whole political shit going on with south korea and the constant um like uh, bomb drills that they kept going on yeah oh that was pretty pretty it added to the tension especially at the last part, when uh, the detective realizes that the suspect isn't in his house, and there's a drill going off, and he's like, "Oh my god, he's fucking killing somebody right now!" Because I fell asleep at the wheel, dude. The scene where like the killer's in the tree stalking the one lady, and then oh. another lady walks past, and he's like, "Hmm, left or yeah. right? Who do I want?" And he picks the other girl. I was, oh my god, that was horrifying. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there's some great moments in this movie. It wouldn't be, you know, a Bong Joon-ho film without some social commentary on Korea's politics. Yeah. Oh, right on. Great shit. Um, so with that, let's take a look at Letterboxd and see what other people have to say on our next right. segment. What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? So Memories of Murder is rocking a 4.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. This is beloved. Here are, I believe I have four reviews from Letterboxd that I hope you will find amusing. This first one's from mm -hmm. Jeff Knight. Usually you hit a bong, but this time bong hits you. Five stars. Okay, that was good. <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> a lot of that on this. <laughs> uh, this next one's from Liam F. And to think that less than a year ago, the only Korean thing I'd seen was the Gangnam Style music video. Four and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> to a lot of people, that was their introduction to Korean culture. Oh my god. <laughs> That's great. Thankfully, mine was not. Mine was Old Boy, which is a twisted fucking movie. I recommend that big time. What was mine? Honestly, I think it was uh, Train of Busan, actually. Mm. That's a great introduction. Oh. No, 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 no. It was Kingdom. Have you seen Kingdom? I have not. Oh my god. Kingdom is a is a show by Netflix. It takes place in like feudal Korea, I think. I don't know if it's still called feudal Korea. But like, you know, you know, in the yeah. olden days. But it's a zombie show. There's like a zombie apocalypse in that time period. So they're using like swords and sticks and shit to fight zombies. And it's really intense. It was really good. That's neat. Maybe I'll check yeah, that out. Yeah. You should. Uh, this next one, also from Liam F. Apparently he... Oh. Yeah, he watched this a few times. Okay. Knives Out really had the audacity to use the tagline, a whodunit like no one has ever done it, as if Bong Joon-ho didn't make a crime drama full of dropkicks 16 years earlier. <laughs> Four and a half stars. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, there are a lot of there's there a lot of kicking in this movie. Yeah, but I also love that you know, like American films will proclaim like you know the scariest movie of all time or a whodunit yeah. like you've never seen before. Like there's not an entire globe of cinema that they're ignoring. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> bugs me it's why i like spotlighting foreign films on this show because it's like yeah they matter a lot of times they're better yeah uh and this last one's from zara evil could be staring at you from across the road serving you at a restaurant the noisy neighbor the cashier who bags your groceries perfectly plain and ordinary people hiding monstrous acts and we could never know you look into people's eyes and you think you know if there was something wrong eyes are the windows to the soul but what if the horrible truth of the matter is we can never truly stare down evil because it's an ordinary part of our world. We see normalcy. We see plain old people and it's terrifying. Four and a half stars. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. No, evil is normal. And that's why we can't recognize it until it's too late. That's, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty good. Actually. Yeah. I like, it. yeah. Freaky. Uh, Jesus. I hope she watched like Willy Wonka or something charming after that. God damn. Well, I mean, Willy Wonka leads to Snowpiercer, but whatever. You know? Uh, yeah, there is no escape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus. We're going to have to do Snowpiercer at one point and just dissect that whole crazy-ass theory. We got to do them together. We got we to watch them back-to-back so I can prove to you. Do you, do you believe that theory? Yeah, I do. I think it's brilliant. Okay. And it yeah. makes too much sense. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, this was a blast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, feel free to uh, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or, of course, send us a message through the socials. Check out our Letterboxd accounts for daily reviews. You can search me at Connor95, and in my friends list, you can find the rest of the team. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where I have a link to that Letterboxd if you want to read my reviews You can also find articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our show. If you'd like to become a monthly donor to Filmgasm Productions, feel free to click on the link in the episode description. And from there, click on support this podcast. You can choose to donate a dollar a month if you like us, $5 a month if you love us, and $10 a month if you can't live without us. All donations go right back into the podcast and support recording equipment, advertising, movie rentals, whatever we may need. And uh, we appreciate it. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their constant friendship and contributions to the show. Austin Johnson, Caleb LeJay, Josh Allred, Colton Jenkins, Christian Aguilar, Isabel Gonzalez, Jeremy Johnson, Adam Johnson, and Maja Pierce-Lewis. You guys all rock. Thanks to Cooley Cow for our awesome theme music, and thanks to you for checking out the show. Try to avoid walking in any fields in the rain, just to be safe. And be sure to check out more Korean cinema, especially the films of Bong Joon-ho. Take it easy, keep watching movies, and we'll see you next week.